Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Shelf Logic. My name is Caroline. And I'm Alyssa. And we are doing a little, we're actually not in the same place. This is kind of new and exciting for me. I've never done a podcast like this. Neither have I. Oh, cool. Okay, fun. So um, we are going to be doing a true crime podcast today, kind of in the spirit of spooky and Halloween. So I, I don't know. I always pretend like I'm a huge true crime, like junkie, but I like don't listen to any podcasts. I don't really like, I don't know. I I want to be a true crime junkie, but I'm just not as like, go, go hard as everybody else is. See, like, I feel like this is where I have to put in the disclaimer. Like I'm not a psychopath <laughs> because this is like the fifth true crime podcast that I've done <laughs> because everybody wants to do true crime. And like, it always just comes to me and I'm like, yeah, I love true crime. But then I'm like, I should read more true crime books. And then, you know, I get stuck watching uh, the new Dahmer thing on Netflix for six hours and mm-hmm. just like, it just spirals. So I swear I'm not that crazy. I just, it just lands in my lap, but I do enjoy true crime. So I'm always here to talk about it. Yes. I feel like so many true crime things do. And I, I don't know. I feel like so many people like it now and engage with it now that we don't mm-hmm. have to give that disclaimer, but I, I'm the same way. I still feel a pressure to be like, by the way, I don't love crime. <laughs> I like the psychology. I, it's like interesting to me to hear like about the process, but I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in crime. I don't know. Well, and it's like, um, you see those TikToks and it's like, why are girls so obsessed with true crime? And it's like, because we're protecting ourselves. It's because we're looking for those red flags. That's so true. Yeah. This is like a big, yeah. Like a big topic around true crime is like, if I can be more familiar with it, then maybe I can avoid it better. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I mean, which, so which is a cute thought in theory. I mean, we're, we're still going to fall for those red flags. I mean. Yeah. Can we avoid it? I don't know, but we'll try. We'll keep reading true crime and trying. We'll try. But you know, since I did mention Dahmer, let's go ahead and talk about Dahmer. Cause I feel like that's a hot topic. And after people watch that, um, biopic, I guess is what we're calling it. Yeah. It's, it's like a little too, it's a little too accurate for my, my liking. When I watch a biopic, I'm like, Oh, you know, that's probably not true. And then like, I'm going through and I'm reading articles and it's like, no, 90% of this is true. Like there are little teeny things. Like when he was at the blood blank, he didn't actually drink it out of the, um, the, the pocket. He like did something else with it. And I was like, if the details are that tiny to make it a biopic, I'm freaked out. Yeah. But, um, anyways, <laughs> uh let's talk about Dahmer yeah yeah so if at the time of this recording Mm -hmm. um not super far from when this will be airing when you'll all be hearing it um Dahmer on Netflix is like the big kind of topic of conversation on social media right now um and I have not watched it yet there's a lot of like controversy around it I am curious about it like I'm not opposed to watching it but I know that like some of the victims' families have spoken out and said that it's like re-triggering for them and that's like really opening up old wounds for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some controversy over the fact that like Evan Peters is playing Dahmer and there's and this uh, this is like another thing you have to preface with the true crime like community and the true crime like I oh it feels so weird to say fandom, but like people who are really interested in true crime, there are people that go too far and are like, ooh cute and and evan peters playing jeffrey dahmer is one of those things that people have been like oh evan peters is conventionally attractive and playing a serial killer has 
caused some people to be like, well, if Jeffrey Dahmer looked like that, it's like, no, 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 no. no. (laughs) It's, it's like they, they're fantasizing it almost. And Mm -hmm. they're just like, well, dang, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, like I get killed by that serial killer. Like, no, like, no, no, that's not what we're here for. (laughs) No, we're here to like, I look at it from like an educational standpoint, Mm -hmm. like here are the things that he did. Ew. Like, it does not matter if the actor playing him is cute or not. And, like, they kind of did the same thing, like, not as um, predominantly, but Ryan Murphy, who produced the Dahmer series on Netflix, also did um, the, oh, gosh, what was his name? It was with Darren Chris. He did another documentary. Hold, please. This is the beauty of doing a podcast virtually, is I'm, like, I'm Googling (laughs) this. we're sitting in front of a computer. Oh, dang. Uh, Of course I Googled Darren Chris and Ryan Murphy, and it's, like... Are you talking about Glee? No. Versace. Gianni Versace's death. Okay. So he he played um the the murderer of Gianni Versace. And people are like, oh man, Derek Chris is ripped. Look at him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no. No, no, no. We're looking strictly at facts here. Mm-hmm. And to see like the series of events. No. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like people have a hard time separating like an actor portraying somebody and mm-hmm. them like the person that they're portraying and it's like no we have to separate jeffrey dahmer as a serial killer and evan peters portraying him in a series or in a show or in a documentary it's like no we can't we can't be talking about him like he's i don't know something to like lust after very weird yeah and i mean like outside of true crime people do that anyways Mm -hmm. like um jim helper is john krasinski like there there is no defining that true um so we do it in other aspects, but then it gets really creepy when we do it with a biopic about a serial killer. Yeah. So just something to keep in mind with that. Um, yeah, big time. Because I know that we have a movie. There was a movie that came out not too long ago. I think it was 2018. It's yes. uh, My Friend Dahmer. Yes, that's actually one of the books I was going to talk about because it was originally a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that is also not one that I have watched. I'm just bad about like watching anything lately but especially true crime stuff but yeah it's based on a book um about somebody who was acquaintances with him I say that really lightly because I don't think at any point he ever really calls them friends but they kind of ran in the same social circle so and looking at Dahmer he kind of took like subtle um acquaintance interactions and kind of blew them up in his head Mm -hmm. so it could be that you know he thought that they were friends um and not necessarily that that the um person that the person's point of view thought that they were friends they could have just been acquaintances totally but yeah that was a movie it was with Ross Lynch who I thought did a great job as Dahmer um not as great as Evan Peters um Evan Peters like really took on that role in the Netflix drama yeah he is like I mean and with American Horror Stories and other things that he's been into he's a very committed mm-hmm. like he commits to a role i mean i'm not gonna lie i still miss him in the good old days of phil of the future on disney but, oh my know. god <laughs> i forgot that he was in phil of the future now i can see his sweet little face in my mind's eye and i'm like oh my gosh yeah he was he was yeah That's but so yeah funny. and that was a graphic novel right the one that you're talking about it was a yes. true, true crime graphic novel if i'm not mistaken it was yeah so it's called my friend Dahmer. it's the same title as the movie um and it was written by derf backdurf um, who also wrote a really, really good book about the Kent State shooting um, during the Vietnam War. So if you're interested in graphic novels and kind of like deep dive histories, 
Um, he wrote a really great book about that too. But yeah, my friend Dahmer is a graphic novel true crime book that he wrote about like kind of living in the same social circle as Jeffrey Dahmer um, or Jeff as they called him, which was really weird to read because when you're hearing people call him by like a nickname, you're just like, no, that's not his name. That's- no, his, na- his name is Jeffrey Dahmer. Like yeah. they, there is no getting away from that. You can't just call him Jeff. You can't just call him Dahmer. He's Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Like you can't separate. I don't know. It's just, it was weird. Um, And the, I feel like the strangest part about this book was how like so much of the interaction that he had with him was pretty normal. Um, He describes a scene. He describes a lot of little moments with him that are like not out of the ordinary for like high school boys. Um, But the one that really kind of put him over the edge and was kind of like, okay, there's something not right about the relationship that we have with Jeff. Uh, They were at a mall and I guess it was very typical of Jeffrey Dahmer according to Durf Factor, to do things that were like unconventional and out of the ordinary and usually for a laugh. Like he would do it strictly to like get a rise out of people, to get a laugh out of people. So they all, he and a group of his friends had all bet Jeffrey Dahmer like $2 each to like make a scene, like be just be hysterical in a mall. And Jeffrey Dahmer took him up on it and they all like gave him $2. And I don't know, I think I remember him saying it totaled up to like $16 total. So like not a very high amount to do something ridiculous. And he just went ballistic like fully hysterical in the middle of a mall like scaring people making families like turn and like you know kind of look funny at him like what is happening what's going on and he just got so much pleasure out of it and it was in that moment that Durf Factor kind of stepped away from the group and was like uh wait a minute this doesn't we're gonna rethink this yeah let's rethink this because this doesn't feel super normal it doesn't feel like something that like oh like we're just high school boys like having a fun time like doing something goofy like now it's getting kind of weird and not only is it getting kind of weird but we're kind of manipulating this person we're kind of and that was the weirdest part about the book is that you don't necessarily feel sympathetic toward jeffrey dahmer but you do get like a different perspective and you do get a different look at him in a way that you're like, yeah, there was a lot more going on there than people know about a lot of familial problems. He describes in the book, um, a lot of social problems at school. Um, and then stuff like that, where he had to take a step back and think like, are we manipulating someone? Like, are we putting somebody in like a weird compromising position and they want to be but do they actually it's almost like um it's like exploitation they're yeah um exploiting somebody who very clearly is suffering from a cognitive disability Mm -hmm. of some sort and you know using it for your entertainment and I would almost compare it to like you know the old school circuses where, you know, the woman, the bearded woman or mm-hmm. um, the biggest person alive or something like that. Like you're exploiting people for entertainment. Yeah. And so that that's kind of what I compared that to. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what made him so uncomfortable about it was that it felt exploitative. Like it didn't, it had escalated from like silly boyish games and like silly things that any of them might've done to a point where they were like, well, we know Jeff will do this. Mm-hmm. We know that when none of us, when none of the rest of us would make a scene in the mall, Jeff totally would. Mm-hmm. And that's where he took a step back and was like, no, this person's not right. And also 
what we're doing and the contribution we're making is also weird. Um, and the book, I always feel weird saying like, spoiler alert to a true crime book, because obviously you probably know how it ends. Um, but one of the things that was like really impactful at the end of the book, it fast forwards a few years and I think there's sophomores in college at this point. So Jeffrey Dahmer has been committing crimes for mm-hmm. some, some time now. And, um, it finally makes the news. He finally gets caught. And one of Durf back Durf's friends from high school calls him and is like, uh, you're never going to believe what I just heard on the news. And he said that when he got that call, the minute his friend said that he was like, Jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer. it was Dahmer. And so it was one of those things where he was like, you see all these little red flags, you see all these things throughout his life and throughout your interactions with him. Mm -hmm. And then when you finally get the call, it's not like you ever would have guessed necessarily, but you're not surprised. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, in a sense, you're kind of having those blinders on and you're like, I really hope that this person isn't as bad as I'm thinking. And I don't think that they would be um, capable of this kind of mass destruction or mass murder until it comes to light. And you're like, oh, (laughs) yeah. Like I, again, you wouldn't guess you would never like attribute all of the things that did happen to Mm -hmm. anyone. But then when it does, you're like, yeah, that kind of sounds right. Yeah. So that was I mean, really good. Yeah. And there's a couple other books too that I thought were interesting that mentioned Dahmer, but also mentioned other serial killers. Um, there was the killer book of serial killers. Um, and I like that one because it talks about, you know, like all of our well-known serial killers like Richard Ramirez. Um, we have Ted Bundy, of course, mm-hmm. John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, but then it also talks about international killers. Um, and I feel like as a society we kind of tend to be like this one was from ohio this one was from tennessee this one of us from texas california yeah. whatever and so we we stay like within our own country and we're like these are serial killers not looking at there are serial killers all over the world so let's yeah. talk about those so i thought that one was interesting that one's available through our libby app um and then going back to Dahmer, there was one called monster which i think the tv show Dahmer is based off of okay um and that one's Anne Schwartz. I believe. And that's also on Libby by Overdrive. But yeah, nice. just some interesting ones that I'd like to mention. Yeah. I feel like Ted Bundy is another one of those where like people get very obsessed. Um mm-hmm. couple was it a couple years ago when Zach Avron played him? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah, that was another one where everyone was like, oh, wait, a serial killer who was conventionally attractive. And it was like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, no, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't Back say that up it. a little bit. Back yep. that up. Look at the facts. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's not what we're focusing on. We're focusing on his girlfriend who he manipulated. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, let's not look at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's, um, I'm glad you brought up Libby because I read My Friend Dahmer on Hoopla. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have physical copies in the system, like in the library district, but uh, I really love Hoopla for reading graphic novels. So if you are a an ebook reader, that one is on Hoopla. So you can access it as you're listening right away. Yes. Because it's always available. And that's yep. one thing that I love about Hoopla is like, I'm bored. I'm going to go to Hoopla and see what's always available. Yep. So <laughs> that's always nice. I love that. Um, what do you got next on the junket? Ooh, this one I almost didn't even put on the list because it's like too close to home. Um, another true crime book that I really loved was called Conviction, the untold story of putting Jodi Arias behind bars. Ooh. 
Ooh. Ooh, it was Ooh. by um, Juan Martinez, who let me make sure that I have this right, because I don't. Always... He was the prosecutor. Yes. Thank you. I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure he was the prosecutor on the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so very interesting because he's somebody super close to the case, um, which can be good and bad. I've got another one on my list where this person may have been too close to have been reliable. Um but I really liked this book because it was kind of journalistic and clinical in the way that he went about describing the case and describing the evidence that was brought forth in trial and what it took for him to put her behind bars. And it was not, if you didn't know he was the prosecutor, you would just think that he was someone who did a lot of really thorough research. Mm -hmm. He's not super emotional about it and super like, I did this. I was tied to this case. So I really enjoyed that. And as somebody who didn't live in Arizona when the murder occurred. Oh, you didn't, did you? Mm-mm, no. Mm. So it was really interesting for me to listen to it as somebody who didn't live here now living here and like how thoroughly he describes Arizona and how like our landscape and kind of the landscape of the state contributed to some of the case too um so i just i thought it was really really good he does a really nice job of detailing it so that if you are familiar with it you still get something more out of it but if you're not familiar with it you know it down pat by the time you're done with that book so let me ask you this so as somebody that wasn't in the state so Mm -hmm. i was in the state you weren't um was the jody arias case as like appealing to you not living in the state because like here it'd be like Okay, I got home from college, I sat down, and I watched the trial from, like, lunch to whenever court got out. Yeah. I did not watch the trial, um, but I remember hearing about it pretty often. Mm -hmm. Um, It was not something, like, it's weird because it's now, like, thinking about it, I think it's one of those that was big enough that I'm surprised I didn't watch the trial, but it wasn't, like, the Casey Anthony trial where like, I feel like everyone, no matter where you lived, knew about the Casey Anthony trial was watching it on TV. Um, I don't remember watching any of it, but I do remember keeping up with it enough to know what was going on day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was living in New York at the time, so I didn't have like a personal tie or like a, any kind of like geographical connection to Arizona. So Yeah, I definitely didn't follow it as much as I think someone who lived here might have. Yeah, and it was super creepy. So um, we're both East Valley girls. And so whenever, like, I know the intersection where it happened. And so whenever I drive by it, I'm like, creepy. But um, yeah, and it is, it's so eerie. Like you, you wouldn't think that like something in your neighborhood, let's say, would be something that ended up being national news and a national trial that was followed. So that was just such a, such a wild case Mm -hmm. to put it mildly. (laughs) Yeah. And I know Juan Martinez mentions in the book, I don't know if he specifically calls out the address, but he does mention like approximately where in Mesa it happened, Mm -hmm. but I have made like a concerted effort to not know where it is because I, because of that eerie feeling, because of that, like, going back to like exploitative, not necessarily exploitative, but like as someone who didn't live here when it happened, I would feel weird going out of my way to try and see like about where it was. Like I, I'm sure that there's a word for it, but there is like that kind of true crime, like 
tourism, like I guess dark tourism. Yeah. That like chase of it where like you want to go seek those things out. So I've made an effort to like not know where that is. It's totally there. But like while it was happening, it was hard to avoid that information. Yeah. And like I think when did that trial happen? Oh gosh. Uh I think I was still working at one of our Gilbert branches at the time. Yeah, the the murder yeah, happened in 2008. And her trial ended in 2015. So yeah, Gosh, I was, was working. Long. Yeah. Yeah. I was working at one of the Gilbert branches. And like that's all anybody would talk about in the office or um talk about patrons would be like, hey, do you have any books on true crime? Because this huge case is happening. And I'm like, sure. And they're like, do you know where that happened? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Know, I'm good. <laughs> but yeah. and, you know, evidently I find out because it's just all over the place. Yeah. So, it's hard to avoid. It is hard to avoid. So like now I know where that is. And I'm just yeah. like, mm-hmm. and I guess comparatively, like when we're talking about like as somebody who didn't live here when it happened, those are the kind of details that like we didn't get in New York because it literally meant nothing to me. Yeah. Like, no, you know, Mesa mm-hmm. and like the Phoenix metro area. So it happened in Arizona. I and, think- and, that, and that's what people mainly pay attention to. Like yeah. Dahmer happened yeah. in Milwaukee, but I don't know where he lived in Milwaukee. Mm-mm. And that's the thing is like, I... I don't even, it's so weird when you think about like things you knew before you knew them. I don't even think I knew about Mesa. Like I think I knew Phoenix mm-hmm. and I knew Tempe because ASU has always been a big draw for people who live on the East coast and don't want to live in the cold anymore. So I think I was familiar with Tempe, but if you had given me a map of Arizona, I never could have pointed out where it was. No. So when people were talking about like, oh, in the Phoenix area, in the Mesa area, the East Valley of, of Phoenix, it was like, sure. Okay. I kind of know roughly where those are but if you had said like at the southeast corner of baseline and gilbert i would have been like don't know where that is don't know where that is cool story yeah (laughs) couldn't tell you where that is have no idea what that is gosh yeah Yeah. i totally forgot about that my my apologies to the gas station that i'm pretty sure is on the southeast corner of baseline and gilbert I'm not calling you out. I don't even know what gas station that is, but I'm pretty sure it is one. I don't know that that is a gas station. No, you're right. It's a plaza. There's it is a, a plaza. Yep. There's a little strip mall over there. Yeah. I think, I, I think Sorry, you called Freddy's. out the, no. Oh yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. Freddy's. Sorry, Freddy's. <laughs> I love your dirt and worms. <laughs> I love your ice cream. Uh, <laughs> let's see. So what else do we have? Uh, I have true crime. And this has a ton of authors. And so it's kind of like a, a cool little book back that was released in 2017. Um, and it's not just dealing with murders. It also has your typical bandits, robbers, arsonists, con artists, white collar crimes, organized crimes, uh, the kidnapping and extortion, a uh, couple murder cases, couple serial killers, couple assassinations, which are always interesting. Um, but I thought that one was very interesting. We have the physical copy of it, but it just explores a bunch of cases that are notorious or maybe not well known. And, you know, it just covers a whole bunch of different crimes. So that's cool. If you are not into murder, but still like true crime, this might be the crime for you. That one's, yeah, that sounds really cool because I think we do associate true crime with murder so often. But like, there are other crimes. I don't know if people know, but there are other crimes. I mean, Clyde. <laughs> Didn't oh. intentionally murder anybody. Yeah. They just wanted money. They didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't mean to. They just wanted to take that nice sack of hundos and run. I get it. I mean, I don't, but 
we didn't mean to like they didn't mean to uh tragic casualties of the crime yeah you know there are sometimes there are just things that come along with it that you don't intend Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah so what else you got for me oh well so speaking of people who may have been too close to a case um something and this is again something i always have to preface with like i'm not a psychopath (laughs) this is something that i have done a lot of reading about since i was a kid i had this tendency as a kid to read way too much about things that scared me uh i think it was a self-defense tactic like a like trying to like expose myself so much that it numbed me or like like i don't know just neutralized things for me so they didn't scare me um but the book that i turn to a lot for true crime is Columbine by Dave Cullen. Mm-hmm. Um, I have read quite a few books about Columbine. Um, I read a really great one that we don't have um, in our system. Um, but this one is very, very available um, in print and in Libby, um, both ebook and e-audio. Um, and it, it's one that gets really mixed reviews on Goodreads because Dave Cullen spent so much time at Columbine. Um, Pretty shortly after the Columbine High School massacre, he was there. And so there are a lot of people who feel like he doesn't get things right because he was too close. There are a lot of people who feel like he gets everything right because he was there for so long and he talked to so many people. And he was just so involved with the aftermath of that massacre. I tried to go into it. It was one that had been on my list for so long that I tried to go into it without any preconceived notions about it. Um, And I recognize where there are some spots where it's like, "Ah, I don't quite think that that was the case. Um, It might be more opinionated than anything. Yeah. One of the big things that he talks about that has been pretty well dispelled at this point is the idea that the Columbine High School massacre, like those who committed it, um, that they were like outcasts, loners, like they didn't have friends, they were bullied. Um, And that's been pretty well dispelled at this point. Um, There's not a ton of evidence that that was actually true. Um, It's a lot more, unfortunately, mental health um, struggles uh, people in crisis, people who may have just been on a path to crime regardless. Um, he also, this book was published before Sue Klebold released her book called The Mother's Reckoning, which is also something we have in the branch. And I don't put it in true crime because it's so much more about grief and coming back from like the absolute worst thing that could ever possibly happen to you. Like just Mm -hmm. feeling like that absolute despair. Um, but he published his book before she published hers. And so when he wrote the book, neither of the parents had really spoken out too much. Um, and he talks a bit about that, but now Sue Klebold has spoken out and she did a Ted talk that was really great. Um, her book was incredible. So I would be interested to see what he has to say now. Um, having like, given that she has spoken out, um, he also wrote a book about Parkland, but it, Again, I wouldn't necessarily put it in the category of true crime because it's a lot more about like the student movement and about like students rising up against violence and kind of taking this entire like school safety issue into their own hands. Um, So it was a lot more like hopeful and a lot more like optimistic than Columbine was where that was just like a straight like here are all the facts. Here's what led up to this. Here's what happened. True crime. 
Well, and I think the problem with that as well, maybe maybe problem is the wrong word, but Columbine was like the first mass school shooting. Yeah, um, that we yeah that we know that, about yeah yeah that we recognize, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people during that time were shell shocked that this would even happen. Yep, and you know how do we prevent this? How like what's going on? What caused this to happen? So I felt like a lot of people dived further into Columbine than they did mm-hmm. a lot of other ones. So when we talk about Parkland, those kids really stood up for themselves mm-hmm. in the aftermath. And so, um, and I know that we have quite a few books on Parkland. Um, there was one in the teen section. I'll look it up and give you the title in just a moment. Yeah. I think it's the one that David Hogue wrote. Um, he's somebody who's like very prevalent in the like post Parkland kind of advocacy. Um, but he has written a book. Yeah. And then there, there's also something called after Parkland, which is, um, a social science terror DVD that you can check out, but, um, you know, between Columbine and Parkland, there's a lot of shootings in between to where I feel like as a student, I was like, oh, well, that that's just daily life. Meanwhile, yeah. my parents are like, we have never heard of that. Like yeah. what is going on? Um, and so it's just really sad how it's become so prevalent and so often that we just kind of, you know, like an earlier statement, you said desensitize ourselves. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the scary things about not only Columbine, the book, but like anything that's transpired after is that it's just so it's unfortunately it's so normal. Um, And so when you read the book and there are tons and tons of true crime podcasts that have covered things like this. um, Yeah. There's just so many things that you're like, oh, well now we don't really even think about that. You know, like the whole, Mm -hmm. the bullying um, kind of frame that they've put that they had put the shooters in in the past is not really something we talk about anymore because people are more willing to speak out and say like, no, I know that person. I know like what's been going on at school. Um, the see something, say something movement has Mm -hmm. like kind of prevented a lot of that too. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting to see a, like you said, like something that was so shocking when it happened. And this was also the inception of, um, like the 24 hour news circuit. So this was really the first big thing that happened when like CNN would be reporting on it all day, all night. Um, So that had a big impact on the information that came out and like the kind of reactions to it too. Um, But it's been 23 years and so much has changed socially, technologically, um, but so much hasn't too. So it's interesting to read books like that and pick apart like things that have changed, things that haven't. And then and then you do kind of want more. Like when I finished that book, I was like, okay, but what now? Mm-hmm. What else is there to say? Because it hasn't changed. Yeah. So. It, it's, it's history now. It's yeah. what can we learn from that? Yeah. And to pivot off that, cause I think that is that true crime or is that social science? I think it lives in our social science section, but And a lot of those can pivot into true crime actually. Big time. Yeah. That's definitely a section where like the social science terror um, mm-hmm. sometimes ties into our true crime section, but I think that one might be, yeah. I'm looking it up right now. I think that one does go in our social science section. Yeah. Social science terror. Yeah. So one social science terror book that I always have on my list whenever I talk about true crime, because it's one of my absolute favorites is the only plane in the sky. Oh, that is such a good book. If you, and I, 
I swear, if you listen to me in previous podcasts, I always say this, but if you have an opportunity to listen to the audiobook, I always recommend that you do it because you hear the actual audio from, um, from the planes. So you oh. hear people's last phone calls, you hear what the, um, pilot was saying to tower and oh my gosh. it, that is like heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, so I tried to read it and I was like, mm, maybe I should just do the audiobook and listen to it. And then I just like bawled. Um, so the only plane in the sky, um, if you don't know about it is a book that was written about the events of nine 11. And so, um, you know, we're 21 years removed from 9-11 at this point, wild. Um, which is very wild because I was seven when mm-hmm. it happened. And yep. I can remember very clearly, I went to school, we got sent home because the teachers and administration did not know how to talk to us about it. And people had questions like people are saying buildings are on fire in New York. Yep. And we're like, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, you want to know what? We're going to send you home to your parents. So your parents can talk to you about yep. it. And my parents said, my parents sat me down and they're like, okay, so this is what happens. This is what this word means. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, I went to do, um, I went to go speak at a school and it was the Monday after nine 11. And so we were doing the pledge of allegiance and they did a moment of silence for nine 11. I'm looking around and a lot of these kids were born in 2008, 2009. Yeah. The, the, they have no like real connection to it because they weren't alive. They're learning it like history. Yeah. And so it's, it's very interesting to be an adult in the room and being like, I can very clearly remember sitting in a chair, my mom doing my hair and her getting distracted just keeps brushing the same part because she's like, uh, plane and tower. Uh, so yeah. And so like for that, traumatic memory for a lot of, for most of us who were alive to talk to somebody who was born in 2008, 2009. And they're like, yeah, I, I, I know about it. I know about it. I mean, I know a lot of people died and I, I've seen documentaries and for us, it's a terror attack that we lived through. Yeah. It's wild. And it's especially, this is another one like conviction where I've talked to so many people who grew up out here and it was, I've heard different things, like different experiences because, because it wasn't happening. I don't know. It's weird to say like in real time, because for me, it was happening. Like I was already in school. I was already halfway through my, or not halfway through, but like an hour and a half, two hours into my school day. Um, like my husband was not sent home from school. They didn't know what to do with them, but they didn't send them home. Cause they were like, well, it's not happening here. And for me, it was like, I remember my teacher getting a phone call. We, you know, every classroom had like a classroom phone. She had got a phone call. She didn't really say much into the phone. And then she turned on the TV we had in our classroom and they were replaying the tower, the first tower getting hit. And she screamed. And I clearly remember her screaming and turning off the TV and like dropping the remote. And she was just like, uh, um, go back to what you were doing. And we were in music class. And I was just like, go back to what we were doing. What was that? What just happened? And then within like 20 minutes, there was an announcement saying buses were here to pick us up. And for me personally, it was really weird because I was, yeah, I was seven. You were seven. (laughs) Yeah. I was like trying to remember because my birthday falls right before it. Your birthday was right before that. Yeah. I was seven. Um, But my parents had gotten divorced the year before. And so when I got home and the bus dropped me off early, I was already like, this is a weird day. Cause the bus took me home. It's like 10 o'clock. It's I like a even, half day. I don't even know why I'm going home. I'm just pumped to go home. And when I got to my house, my mom and dad were both there. And I remember thinking like, 
okay, Uh-oh. this has to be really weird because my parents have not been like together in the same room and my mom was crying and my dad was just like stony. Like I just remember him being like so like hollow and I was like, why are you both here? And my mom was just like, Shh, do not talk. Don't talk right now. Just sit. And I sat down and we just like watched TV. Cause, and I just sat like a little kid. I was just like, where's this happening? What's happening? I don't understand. So yeah, I mean, as an adult, as a child who lived through it, reading things as an adult, it's like so much more impactful because we didn't have a full picture as kids. We got like whatever diluted story or if your parents were honest with you you got whatever like they were comfortable telling you but we didn't like fully appreciate or understand what was happening at the time because we were kids we were little yeah and um and you know how how were we even going to to fathom that around our heads and so i i just remember my my mom saying okay so there's a thing called a terrorist attack this is what's happening Mm -hmm. um it's in New York. So we're okay. Cause we're in Arizona for right now. And it hasn't hit this side of the coast, but it might. And, you know, there's a lot of unknowns and you have to be comfy with the uncomfy is what she used to say. Yeah. Um, so, um, don't be scared. It's okay to go to school. Um, I'm sorry, your teachers didn't know how to talk to you about it, but yeah, it was like, we, we got sent to school. So school started at 7am and, I mean, it, it had already happened by then because yeah. it happened like, at, I want to say like eight 30 in the morning, New York time. Mm-hmm. And so being three hours removed from that and they were just like, yeah. And then, you know, people were like, Hey, like I had buildings were on fire and the teacher was just like, yeah, you know, we're not going to talk about that today. And I was like, but why? <laughs> Cause you yeah. know, we're, we're like in what second grade. We're like, why, 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 why? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a missed opportunity for for them to talk to us about it. But, you know, my parents have always been that way. So ever since that happened, you know, the Columbia disaster, the space shuttle exploding um, in space, my dad was watching it on CNN one morning and he's like, okay, so if you watch this and people talk about it, this is what happened. So people yeah. died. And so um, I've always been super grateful to my parents for sitting down and explaining that to us because I felt like a lot of kids didn't have that opportunity yeah. to um, have that explained. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, you're seven. So how do you seek that out on your own? You I know. Can't. <laughs> and you know, AOL was great, but it wasn't that great. <laughs> no, no. Also, I couldn't yeah. use it because of dial up. So good old times. <laughs> good old dial up. Meanwhile, we are in the 21st century having a tele web conference, Tele- telecommunications podcast. Type. Yeah, I mean, Creek, you're at Southeast. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. Like it just, yeah. It would have blown our seven-year-old minds. Actually, we wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have known anything. I would have been like, okay, what are you talking about? Well, I was the same kid that would get in trouble for like sneaking onto the computer, not knowing that my parents were waiting for a phone call. And they're like, mm-hmm. my God, this person never called. What is what? Meanwhile, the phone's beep. I wanted to play on the Disney channel games. Okay. Yeah. They have that really cool Lilo and such sandwich maker. It's not I my love fault. That, game. that, was, that was a good one. Good that was a good one. RIP to that game. Uh, well, it's when we are recording this it is nine 30. So <laughs> we have started our day off on a real weird note. I hope we can move forward and have a good day. I but know. I mean, it's interesting stuff. Oh, and you know, actually to wrap it up, um, I really wanted to mention a book that I want to read because this is also currently happening while we're, while we are recording this. Um, if you have not picked it up, 
a book that we should all be reading right now because it's just it's current events it's it's interesting it's happening um adnan's story um adnan syed um if you aren't aware um is currently he was in prison for the murder of his ex-girlfriend he maintained his innocence throughout his time in prison um and finally finally they've accepted new evidence in the case it's not new it's evidence that was presented just not well when he was initially tried um but he is out he's um he's awaiting potential retrial um so if you have not read Adnan's story um or listened to the serial podcast they were really the ones that championed um a, a second look at that case to give him yeah. the opportunity of freedom. So very and interesting. That, that was such a pulling case. Have you not read that one yet? I haven't. No, it's on my list. It's been on my list for a while. Um, but it just kind of like reminded me when I saw the article about him um potentially yeah. being released. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to read that book. I've been meaning to for so long. They also did a documentary on HBO, I believe. Um okay. same with I'll be gone in the dark. It was a book mm. and then it got turned into a documentary. But um yeah, that story is crazy. Like I, I feel for him for, you know, in, in my opinion, someone who's potentially innocent sat in jail for almost 30 years. Yeah. Um, and then at, at the, at the other hand, you know, her killer was never truly come to light or, mm-hmm. you know, they potentially got away with it. If Adnan is innocent, um, obviously I'm not a juror, so I don't have the yeah. evidence to, to determine that, but just an opinion. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention because we are at the time of this recording, it's September and it's, um, national suicide awareness month. I also wanted to throw out there that if you are somebody that is struggling with mental health, you could always call or text 988. That is a free, um, suicide and mental health awareness line, or you can also, um, call 1-800-662-4357 or 1-800-662-HELP to find some mental health resources. I know that we talked about a lot of heavy stuff today Mm -hmm. and maybe you're just like, my brain is a little bit wrapped. So if you're looking for those free resources, those are what's available to you. Yeah. And I think so many of these true crime books that we read um, and even ones that were mentioned today, mental health comes up. Mental health is mentioned. Um, mental health crises are sometimes what lead to these things. So mm-hmm. yeah, those free resources are life-saving for people, like for themselves, but for other people too. So yeah, yeah I'm glad you mentioned that. Definitely. Oh. Well, thank you for listening. And um, hopefully we didn't rack your brain too much today, <laughs> but um, join us next time as we probably talk about something Disney related because we're all Disney fans here. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. A little lighter. <laughs> we'll go from dark and dreary to the happiest place on earth, which is currently closed because of hurricane. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.